Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. I'm going to be in John chapter 4 today. Where am I going to be? Okay, we're listening. That's good. Uh, While you're thinking about John chapter 4, I want to bring up a question right at the start of the message. It's sort of a deep question. The question is this. Have you ever benefited from a life-changing conversation? Now, I realize that that's a deep question that sometimes doesn't garner a quick answer. I asked the staff, a couple of staff members, this question, and what I got in return was a stare. Like, whoa, that's that's a big question. While you're thinking about that uh, question, I want to give you two examples in my own life where I've had these conversations. Uh, One, I was uh, six or seven years old. I lived in Kinderville, Indiana, grew up there about 90 miles east of here. And I would, it was back in the days that you could play in the street. And I would play in the street. I would run up and down the street. And my neighbor across the street, his name was Bud. He was quite a bit older, had a pocket watch. And he would time me as I ran up and down the street. And I would run up to his porch and he'd tell me the time. But there's something that he said, and he said it regular enough that it stuck in my brain. He said, Steve, you can do anything. Those words, I I don't want to overstate it. There's something about it, and he would tell me this frequently, that it just stuck with me. I can remember it to this day. Like, it it was a bit life-changing for me. Another example was a high school senior, and one of my teachers lived beside us. He was a family friend. He was over for dinner one night, and after dinner, we were in the kitchen. He and I were in the kitchen. His name was Jim, and he asked me, the similar question that every high school senior in America gets asked, what are you going to do after you graduate? And so I said, because I had told this same thing to probably dozens of people, I want to be an electrical engineer. And he looked at me and he asked me why. I didn't know why. And, And so what that began was it began a conversation in the kitchen that took uh, quite a bit of time, actually, where Jim pushed into my life, pushed into, and that conversation changed the way I looked at my career and to have a why behind it and ask really good questions. Both of those conversations were life-giving. Don't we love those conversations? Whoa, that group does not. (laughs) Don't we love those conversations? Okay. So we love those conversations, but even if we think about how much we like those conversations, not every one of those conversations is good. I knew a a gentleman, he was in his mid-20s when I met him, and he described as he was growing up that the conversations he had with his parents were not great. And when I say not great, it really doesn't do it justice because the things that he shared were things that none of us should ever have to hear in our lives. And he was brought up in a home where he was regularly told things that are just unimaginable. And it impacted him so greatly that in his mid-20s, he was homeless and he was addicted to drugs. When I think of that account and then my other positive examples, it reminds me how powerful our words can be. 
It's what scripture tells us. There's like 50 verses that are really specific in scripture that tell us the power of the words that we use. Here's a few. You might be familiar with one or two of them. Proverbs 18:21. The tongue has the power of life and death. What you say can uplift people. It can actually bring life into a situation or it can tear life down. How about this verse? Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I don't know about you, but I want my conversations to bring healing. I don't want my conversations to feel like I'm piercing people with swords in combat. And as Christ followers, we're commanded, we're told to have conversations that actually build people up. Here, look at this scripture, Ephesians 4. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I'm going to keep this scripture on the screen. I want you to think about your conversations over the last week. I'm thinking about my conversations over the last week. I'm not perfect at this. Not all of my conversations, not every word that came out of my life, out of my mouth, built people up. It's just a good reminder of the power of our words. So if we like life-giving conversations, if the Bible commands that we should have conversations that build people up, I want us to consider this. Think of someone that could benefit from a life-giving conversation that's not a politician. Someone in your sphere of influence. I really want you to think about somebody that could benefit from like a great conversation. I'm thinking of a neighbor. While you're thinking about that, I I want to remind you that we're in a series called Jesus, Friend of Sinners, where we're looking at the life of Jesus, where he actually was a friend to people where other people had shunned them and pushed them aside, but Jesus did something different. And it's a model for our lives. And today I want to look at Jesus talking to a woman where he changes her life in one conversation. And I want to look at it deeply enough so we see the why did he have that conversation, but also the how can we have that conversation. I want to do that in John chapter 4. Some of you might be familiar with this text. It's the Jesus and the woman at the well. Just to set it up, Jesus is uh, alone, and it's at noon, the hottest part of the day. He's at a well, and uh, his disciples had gone to get food, and we pick up in verse 7. It says this, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? 
Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, he's referring to the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. In that text, I wish I could go on. There's like two sermons worth of stuff in the entire account, but I just want to focus on the beginning of this story because what I see is the why and the how of life-giving conversations at the beginning of this story. And so before I jump in, I want to pray, but I want you to think back to the person you were thinking of who could benefit from a life-giving conversation. I want you to think about that person. I'm going to pray before we get into a message. So God, we, we pray this morning for the dozens, hundreds of people that we're thinking about. And God, we pray that you would go before any conversation, that you would soften their heart. And God, as we consider that person and we hear this message, we ask that you would open our hearts and our eyes to see what you're doing to give us courage to make a difference. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here's what I see in this interaction between Jesus and the woman at the well. You can write a couple of things down on the back of your program. Here's what I see. A life-changing conversation happens when we are open to the opportunity. When we're open to the opportunity. Jesus is by the well. A woman comes up, and Jesus asks for a drink of water. And here's how the the woman responds. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now, if we slow the account down and really pay attention to what's going on, the text is actually inviting us to notice that this interaction is a little weird. What do we have? We have a woman alone at noon getting water at a well. Well, if we look at other accounts in Scripture, that's not normally the time that women go get water. Normally, it's in the evening, the cool of the day, and they go as a group for safety. Not only that, some commentators have noted that this woman, where we know where she came from, actually bypassed at least one other well. So whatever's going on in her life, and I don't want to shame her in any way, but whatever's going on in her life, she had to skip a closer well to get to this well. A woman alone at noon in a far-off well. We, we learn in the text that she's a Samaritan woman. Samaritan women do, do not interact with Jewish people. They, they, Samaritans are like unclean people, right? They have been shunned to a part of society where you just didn't go, you didn't talk to them, you didn't interact with them. They were just set aside. And, and beyond that, if you read the rest of the account, we find that this woman has been married five other times, and right now she's with another man. There's a lot going on in her life. And what does Jesus do? Jesus looks at her and essentially says, can I drink from your cup? That's big. Like, like there's something deep going on there. It's, it's like this. We're going to do a little thing. So uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at and wave to someone in the auditorium you don't know. Someone's close. Just Yeah, we're going to do it. Just find somebody that you don't know and wave. 
Are you doing that? Yep. <clears throat> now, the person that you wave to, what I want you to do is I want you to see if they're drinking a cup of coffee and actually take their coffee. <laughs> and then when they give you that coffee, I want you to take a drink of it. You're not doing it. Why are you not doing this? We're not doing it because that's weird, right? I don't know who they kissed this morning. Did they brush their teeth? Right? It's just, are they sick? Right? We have all those stigmas that we have. No way am I doing that. But what does Jesus do? Jesus loves that person, loves that woman enough that it does not matter and asks her, can I drink from your cup? It's not just a one-off encounter. That's the way Jesus did his ministry. In Matthew chapter 8, we find uh, Jesus is doing ministry and, and this guy who has leprosy. Leprosy is a skin disease. It's infectious. It's gross. And this guy kneels in front of Jesus, skin disease, leprosy, and he's like, Jesus, if you're willing, will you heal me? And look what Jesus does. Matthew 8, 3. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. He touched him. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of leprosy. Isn't that good news? Jesus loves so much that it does not matter your disease, your history, your financial situation, your relationship status. It does not matter to him. He loves you enough to see through that and hope to the other side of the problem. That's what he does. It's who he is. He meets people where they are. He's available when everyone else is not. You can write this down. Jesus prioritized his interactions over the issues. It's just what he did. Why did he do that? He loved him. He's a friend of sinners. Jesus is a friend of the outcast. Jesus is the friend of the sick. He's a friend of you and me. He loves us enough to say, I'll step into that mess with you and love you through it. It's the same thing we're supposed to do. Look at this. It's, it's later in the account, John chapter 14. Jesus is talking to a lot of people who are following him. And he says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now when I read this, my mind goes to, man, Jesus healed people. He raised someone from the dead. Like he did amazing, crazy things, and he's telling us we get to do that too. I'm all about that. But let us not miss that one of the greatest works Jesus did was sat with people who others shunned and had a life-giving conversation. He was available. So when I think about that, I'm challenged. I'm challenged because sometimes that's easy for me to do, but sometimes it's not so easy. And when I boil all the issues down, at least in my life, why do I not have conversations like that with other people? In, in my life, I'm just going to call it what it is. It's judgment. Like I have judgment against people. Maybe you do as well. Let me, let me give you an example how it has worked in my life. A couple of years ago uh, with the School of Ministry, we went to Chicago to a mission trip. One of the nights, late at night, we were uh, going to go out on the streets of Chicago and we were going to hand out roses to women who were being trafficked in downtown Chicago. And on the rose was a little uh, sticker that 
uh, told the woman, if you want to break free of the situation that you're in, call this number, we can help. And, and I was all about that, because that breaks my heart. A, a woman should not be, no one should be trafficked on the streets of any city. And so I was, let's go, let's go do that. But what we also learned is we were going to go out and not only give roses to them, we were going to talk to the guys who were trafficking the women. We were going to go talk to the pimps, right? That's the label that I would give them. I didn't want to do that. I didn't, because I was frustrated, like, I don't want to talk to some guy who's doing something unimaginable. I can't even wrap my brain around it. I don't want to do that. And so we're out on the streets, and uh, we go down an alleyway, and here's, there's just a few of us, and here's a guy with a woman, and we go up, and right as soon as we go up, he explains to this woman that she needs to go into the building. She goes into the building, so we're talking to this guy in this alley. He's curious. What we're like, what are you doing in downtown Chicago coming up to me? And so we start explaining school of ministry. Right? And in that moment, I realized because the Holy Spirit inside of me was like, Steve, you have to get over this thing. You have to set the label aside and see this guy the way I see him. And so we started into this interaction. One of the students asked this guy uh, a couple of questions, and he started to reminisce about when he was younger when he was a child, that his mom would take him to church. And there was this moment, this tender moment, where it felt like something connected. And then we said, can we pray for you? And he allowed us to pray for him. Now, I don't know the end of the story. He could still be on the streets of Chicago. I don't know how it ends, but here's what I do know. Until I set the label of pimp aside and tried to see him the way Jesus saw him, I was not going to be open to enter any interaction that brought life into his life. Does that make sense? We have to set our judgments aside. Matthew 7, here's what Jesus says about judgments. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's a scary verse. Here's another one in John chapter 7. Jesus says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. It's exactly what you see Jesus doing throughout his life. He looks at people and doesn't look at them with labels. He looks at them straight to their heart and sees who they could be. That's love. So here's a question I'm asking. I hope to continue to ask, and I hope we all ask. Am I seeing people beyond my judgments and labels? You can write that down. It's a good thing to ponder. Even think of the person that you thought of earlier who needs a life-changing conversation. Are there any judgments? Are there any labels that you have for them? Am I seeing that person the way Jesus sees them? Because when, when we do, we'll be open and available to bring a life-changing conversation which is what Jesus did. A life-changing conversation happens when we're open to the opportunity. So Jesus is open to the opportunity with the woman at the well. And I see some other things that Jesus does, and this gets to the why. A life-changing conversation happens when we stretch beyond the surface. Stretch beyond the surface. I'm pretty good at surface-level conversations. Anybody else? 
Here's a surface level conversation. Let me, uh, let me give you an example. There's Mike down here. I didn't talk to Mike earlier. Mike and I know one another. Mike, how was your day? Going well. How's your week? Eh. Okay, good. Good conversation, Mike. Good talk. Right? That's surface level. How many of you are really good at surface level conversations? I am phenomenal at those. Right? With my kids. How was your week? It's good. How's your day at school? Good. How's work? Good. Good. Everything's good then. But you know what I see Jesus doing? He gets beyond this. Jesus had full right in the middle of this. It's noon. He's tired, it says in the text, which is amazing, right? He's fully human. He's tired. It's noon. It's hot. When the woman said, why are you asking me for water? He could have said, it's noon. I'm tired. It's hot. I want to drink a water. But look what he does instead. John 4.10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God... And who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. He doesn't keep it on the surface. He goes a level deep and invites her into who he is and the gift that he has. It's no longer about him being thirsty. It's about her, what she needs. Jesus doesn't want to leave the woman as she is. Now, now, what's interesting about that is the woman's still at the surface level. And she, she tells Jesus, Jesus, you don't have anything to get water from. Like, you, you don't have a ladle. You don't have anything. She's at the surface. Jesus doesn't pop back to the surface. He just goes deeper. Look at this, John 4, 13. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst This is the turning point into the conversation where she realizes this is something I might need. He's not talking about the water I'm digging here. He's talking about something way deeper. She recognizes this could be an invitation to change. You can write this down. Surface interactions can turn into invitations for life change. That's a really good point, because I wrote it. No. It's, it's a really good point, because it's what Jesus did. Jesus could have countless times stayed at the surface with people, but he decided regularly, no, nope, there's something deeper. Life will not change unless we get deeper than this conversation. And I love that point, and I love the model of Jesus, but at least for me, I need to get some practical steps in how to do that, because it is so easy in our lives to stay at a surface level with family and friends and coworkers and people wherever. It's just surface, surface, surface. So how do we do this? Well, let, let me give you three practical steps to bring life into conversations. It's what I see Jesus do. Here's three practical steps to bring life. If I'm going to do this, I have to get over myself. I have to get over myself. If we look at the text, Jesus, woman at the well, I'm not sure Jesus ever got a drink. It's never recorded in Scripture. He was over himself because he saw the need in front of him. This text, 1 Corinthians 10, says this, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of 
others. I have to get over myself. So when I, when I think of conversations and I'm like, oh, I don't know what they'll think of me. I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm an introvert and I, you know, that, I'm just in, no, get over yourself. Well, I don't have time. Get over yourself. Second practical thing, if we're going to bring life, if I'm going to bring life, I have to love others like Jesus loves me. Jesus with the woman at the well knew exactly what her history was, knew where she was from, but he loved her enough to look past all that and see her heart and her opportunity and the hope in front of her. He just loved her and interacted with her because of that. If I think of my life, in my 20s, I had 50, 100, 500 reasons that Jesus could look down at me and go, wow, that guy is a, is a mess. I'm not interacting with Steve because he's a disaster. But you know what? Jesus saw beyond all the mess, and he loved me enough to step into my life and help me over the number of years I've been with him to be radically different. He loved me beyond my issues. John 15, Jesus says this, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So when I think of someone and and I think of their life and go, whoa, their life is messy. Whoa, they don't talk like I talk. They don't listen to the same things. They work in a different place. They may not work. They live in a neighborhood I'm not really comfortable with. Can, we, can I love that person enough that I, I can see beyond that and actually love them like Jesus loves me? Because that's what we're commanded to do. The third thing, if I'm going to have practical steps to bring life, I need to extend my gift of hope. Extend my gift of hope. It's what Jesus did when he interacted. He saw the woman, loved her enough to extend this conversation and then told her, if you want living water, this is how you do it. This is the hope I can bring. In my life, Jesus is my hope. When I am sad, he brings comfort. When I need encouragement, he brings it. I have seen miraculous things because Jesus is in my life. I fully agree that Jesus is a stream of living water in my life, and it is the hope that I have, therefore I should extend it as Jesus does. First Peter tells us this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for hope that you have. Always and everyone. That's a lot of people. Those are three practical ways to bring life to conversations. We can do this. Let me, let me give you a, an example. A guy by the name of Gary Cox. This is a, a picture of Gary. He goes to the church. Great guy. He recently took a class. The class was how to pray for others because he wanted to learn how to pray for others. That's why we called it how to pray. For, you get that. Okay. At the end of the class, uh, the homework is... Now that you've learned all this, go out into the community and pray for one person at least. Someone you don't know. Just go pray for them. And so Gary was sort of excited about this, and he came to me. He's like, all right, I'm going to do this. And so over the course of a week, I actually saw Gary a couple times. I was like, Gary, how's it going? Did you find the person? No, I haven't found the person yet. I'm like, Gary, here's what you do. Next time you're anywhere, just be open to interacting with someone. Maybe God might highlight somebody. 
And so I saw Gary a few days ago, and he explained that he and his wife went to Aldi on Ireland Road, and he went into Aldi with his wife, and he said there was a woman there, and for some reason, he knew that was the woman that he needed to pray for. And so he maybe got a little nerd, right? Okay, that's the one I'm going to pray for. And he was following her. And then he said that he lost her. And in my brain, I was like, well, of course she lost you. You're an old creepy dude looking at her, (laughs) thinking, I'm going to pray. It's, of course she lost you. I didn't tell him that. And so he, he describes that he, you know, I lost her in the store, and I, I, I knew I had missed it, and so I was a little disappointed. And so I went to the checkout, and guess who's in the checkout in front of him? This woman. And so Gary, it's a stretch for Gary, but Gary walks up to this woman and says, um, I know this might be weird, but is there anything in your life going on that I could pray for? And this woman at the checkout of Aldi, I don't know if you've ever been at Aldi at the checkout. It's like the fourth level of chaos. There's food and boxes and people and speed, right? And, he's, and she's, she says, well, yeah, my, there's a lot going on right now in my life, and I could use prayer. And so Gary prays for her at Aldi. Now, I don't know the rest of the story. I don't know what her life looks like now, but here's what I see in this account with Gary. Gary got over himself. All the fears that he had, he went up to a woman and he saw her and loved her enough to actually interact with her. And then he shared the hope he had in Jesus and brought the light of Jesus into a situation where she said, yep, there's a lot going on in my life. I sure do need prayer. If Gary can do this, you can do it. The woman didn't punch Gary. It's safe. Right? And, and we'll never know, we will never know the impact of giving someone, sharing the hope we have, and giving them the light of Christ in a conversation. Maybe it's not a conversation. Maybe, maybe it's a hug or a letter or a phone call or an encouraging word. Or I, I don't know what it is that God might prompt you, but we should do it, and we'll never know the impact of it. For the woman at the well, I want to tell you how the story ends. Jesus is interacting with her. They don't get a, she, he doesn't get a drink. She actually drops her jar where she was going to get water. She leaves it there, and she runs back to the town. And here's what it says in John chapter 4, verse 39. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. Her life has changed. Not only that, she goes back to the town that likely they shunned her because she had to go to a far-off well by herself to get water. And now that town realizes that she's speaking the truth about who Jesus is, and the town has changed. We will never know what happens when we give the hope of Jesus in a conversation with someone else. We'll never know the ripple impact of that. Those are the type of conversations that we are called as followers of Jesus to have. And those conversations happen when we do two things. When we're open to the opportunity and when we get beyond the surface. Why don't you stand? We're going to move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.